0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Awesome, 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 awesome with you. That's awesome, that you're awesome. I'm glad I'm not a possum, cause I'm awesome. And that's awesome with you. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome episode 26 of that's awesome with joe i'm your host joe Uh, today on the pod we have with us jack from dead poet society um this was a really fun interview for me just because as you'll find out there's a lot of things that jack and i have in common uh like where we grew up where we worked a lot of the people that we know and we kind of discovered a lot of that organically in the interview so uh, it was really good uh this is a band that i've been hearing a lot about over the last year i've seen them tour with a couple of my friends bands in fact two people that i've already had on the podcast andres and um uh, josh from bad flower uh so that's where i kind of heard the name i went in and listened the music is fucking sick they're like a great rock band so really excited for these guys it seems like they they've just lined up a bunch of stuff that's gonna push them to that next level so uh, I won't take up any more time, so I'll just send it right on over. To you. All right, so we're in. Uh, Jack, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me on. Of course, and um, why don't you just to start off, for those of, uh, let everyone know who may not know of your band, uh, who you are, what your band is, and then we'll just kind of dive into some history stuff.
1: Okay, sweet, so uh, my name's Jack Undercoffler. I sing for a band called Dead Poet Society, and uh, we are based out of Orange County, California, and uh, yeah. That's it. sweet.
0: Yeah. So I actually first became familiar with your band because um, you you toured with Andres. Is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We toured with Andres. Uh, what? Yeah. February 2019, I think.
0: Right. Right. And I remember actually when my close friend Donovan was booking that tour. Um, oh,
1: yeah. Will's Will, our drummer. Um, yes. He knows right. him pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually met Will when he was playing with Andres a while ago. Um, so there's some s- circles here and I actually, uh, I did some, uh, internet research slash creeping on you and your band before we did this. And I have some other there you go. weird circles that we probably both know a lot of the same people in.
1: <laughs> oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. 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 All but right. we'll
0: get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Let's um, get,
1: yeah. Bring them up randomly and I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. tell you
0: if I know them. So Basically, I don't know if you've heard the podcast before, but um, what we kind of like to do here is just go through your like kind of musical history. And I understand just from looking on the Internet, you do a lot of stuff even outside of your band uh, that I would love to hear about. I'm sure our listeners would love to as well. Um, But like, how did you where did you grow up and how did you kind of get into music?
1: So I grew up in a place called Hampton, Virginia. Um, it's like 30, 40 minutes west of a place called Virginia Beach. And that's the only place that anybody really knows. But mm-hmm. um, I was born in Boston, lived there until I was six. And then I was raised in Virginia and uh, moved back to Boston for college. And uh, when I was in Virginia, I, uh, I, never, I didn't really think I had an interest in music. I just remember my mom signing me up for piano lessons mm-hmm. and I... Begged her for two years to like just quit, quit the piano lessons. I didn't want to do them. I just hated it How so much. Were you I never when practiced. You uh, probably like ten. It, I must have been ten okay. because, uh, after that, after I finally got her to quit or let me quit, I begged her immediately afterwards to let me play guitar. And she was mm-hmm. like, "Well, you quit piano lessons, so I'm not gonna get you a guitar." And I was like, "I was like, come on, please, please." And after you know a few months of begging, she was like, "Fine, okay." And uh, we went and rented a guitar from like a like a local music shop and some lessons. And I just became obsessed with it. I just did it nonstop. And then about maybe six months into playing guitar, my dad bought me this Bob Dylan Essentials book. And I don't know if you do you remember like the PBS like essentials oh, things. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So it was. It was that. It was. Bob Dylan's book of that. And it was just all of the chords to every single song that... Well, not every single song, but like like his top 50. And Is that I just like went the kind through. of music
0: that you grew up on too?
1: Yes and no. I would say like I had to like grow up... The way I grew up on music I think was very, very different from most people, especially musicians. And the fact that I didn't really have a wide array of music that my parents brought me up on. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember... My dad listened to a lot of Chet Baker, and okay. my mom listened to a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire. But beyond that, it was up to me to like find my yeah, own that, music.
0: Those, too bad. those are pretty good starting points.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I you know, agree. They're
0: not bad influences to have when you're young.
1: No, no, not at all. So I think I think that when I started finding music, it was not the classic rock that pretty much everyone I know was raised on. It was like mm-hmm. I had. I knew Bob Dylan, uh, like Chet Baker, Earth Wind and Fire, and then like Frank Sinatra was like my childhood music.
0: Right, big names. And then
1: yeah, big names. And um, when I started playing guitar, that's when I really started learning about like uh, like classic rock and mm-hmm. uh, and just bands that I right. loved. Like you know, sub-culture I became
0: bands and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's funny how that works. Cause I, I actually had a similar journey. Like at least when I was younger, I started playing piano very, very young. Um, and then cool. I, you know, ultimately when everyone else started listening to, you know, the radio and watching MTV, I wanted to pick up a guitar um, yeah. just because it was cooler. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then that's how I discovered all like the bands that I still love and that underground scene of music, which was more underground back then than it is now, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, in other ways it has kind of gone underground in this, in the genre that I'm in too, but it's starting to resurface again with, you know, like bands like nothing
0: but thieves, like very Mm -hmm. guitar driven music. Right. Right. Um, so cool. Like, you know, it's so this was all in Boston when you were doing that.
1: Uh, this was, no, I, I was, I lived in Virginia at this point. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. Oh, right, and, right.
0: And then you moved back to Boston for college. I'm sorry. Got yeah, that yes. Yeah, no, so, um, just, yeah. Go ahead. Were you playing in any bands when you were younger, like in high school and stuff?
1: Uh, Yes and no. I mean, when I was in high school, I started my own band and it was the most... Uh, It was the most egocentric band name I could, I had. Oh, I love this. Everyone tells
0: their first band name. Let's do it.
1: Oh, it was so bad. It was called the Jack DeWitt Band. And I basically, so bad, so bad. And I basically like drafted four people that I knew that played instruments into, I just forced them to play my songs basically. And uh, it wasn't great. you're like
0: ahead of your time, man. Like that's what everyone does now when they're older. You were doing it in high school.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was it was funny because I was literally I I think I was like one of two people in the school. I went to a massive school that had a band. So, I kind of like everybody kind of knew me as the music guy and um and I I was huge into John Mayer. So, a lot of my stuff was just like really like clean strat kind of stuff and mm-hmm. uh I was fucking
0: horrible at guitar. So, <laughs> I just like <laughs>
1: I it, none of it was good. None of it was yeah, good. Yeah, but
0: that's like when you learn to play with a band and stuff, right? Like that's important. Yeah. All yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's so many embarrassing stories that everyone has when they're learning to play and in the first bands and everything. I think we did like one of my first bands did I think we only did like really punk versions of Beatles covers. It was oh, really man. really I bet awful. Oh, that, that was beautiful. <laughs> And our drummer, I remember, was actually re- for a bunch of like seventh grade kids or whatever. He was mm-hmm. really, really talented, and he had a huge drum set. But he only listened to Rush, so it never worked. You know, yeah. It was really great because you had like a kid that could be playing with people that are way more advanced, and then me and my buddy Dan just playing. Get, you and know, you're just like, dude, chords. blast
1: beats as hard as you can, just right. as fast <laughs> and as long as you can,
0: right? Right. Uh, so. You move. You went to. Did you go to Berkeley? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, did go I to saw Berkeley that. And your, I, I was looking at your LinkedIn, and this is where we're going to start crossing paths, pretty hard. Okay. Because <laughs> I Sweet. I grew up in Boston.
1: Oh no uh, way! My, we're in Boston.
0: Uh, I lived in. I was raised in Tewksbury until I was very in like third grade. Then I grew up in Reading, um, oh, and Redding, I actually okay. just moved out to LA uh, in April. But before that, I was living in Salem. In Salem. Okay. Yeah. Wait. So you moved out to LA. When did you, like, what made you do that? Uh, just so I do a lot of songwriting and stuff like that. So it just made sense okay. for me to be here, you know? Yeah. That's I actually, the same, to be honest with you, like, yeah, I, I like it way more on the East oh, Coast. Oh, do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, way on more. the East Coast. Well, even in Boston, to uh, Salem is like my favorite place. So.
1: Dude, I'm the same exact way. I am so homesick for Boston. I've been I've been mm-hmm. out here for f- over over four years now, and I just like it feels like I'm in like a permanent hotel. Like it's just none of the landscape feels familiar at all. It doesn't
0: That's feel like the home. the Very first thing I say too, it's landscape, and like the yeah. way things just look. All the roofs are flat.
1: Yeah, all the roofs. <laughs> it just it doesn't feel like it has like. LA doesn't feel like it has a vibe. That's the weirdest thing about it is yeah, that you get all this, you get all this like um, fantasy from movies that just go on and on about like how amazing Hollywood is and LA and everything. And so you have this picture in your head that it's this like awesome, you know, like utopia of artists right. and actors and it's beautiful. Yeah. And there's all this like fame and fortune and you get out here and it's literally a strip mall Copy and pasted forty miles in every direction with their own local, own local army of homeless people, and the streets suck. It's yeah. just,
0: oh, dude. Someone told me a joke. So, someone told me about some stand-up comedian's joke yesterday, and it was like them talking about L.A. and and how the palm tree is just like the symbol of like paradise in L.A. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that it's the most sarcastic, like shrugging your shoulders quotes paradise image that you can think of and it's so it true is. because all you see is just like flat shitty like buildings gray and then there's just like palm trees that just kind of stick up everywhere
1: yeah i know that's the funny thing is like i always say that like they're like la is the only reason you see in movies la being shot from a helicopter is that's the only way it looks nice is from a thousand feet above it <laughs> people are going to get so mad at us <laughs> i know look i'm just being real i'm just being real
0: <laughs> oh it's good i like it if no one gets it when i say that i like boston more than here cuz everyone's look. like in love with la here so yeah, refreshing
1: dude. i miss boston so much like the i i miss just like walking out of my house and then just being where I need to be, you know, like I get right. out of my house and I'm like, I'm bored. Uh, I hate being, I feel like I'm stuck inside. Okay, just take two steps out your door and all of a sudden you're in a whole new environment with yeah. coffee shops and fucking uh, grocery yeah. stores and malls. And it's just like, it's just like you have everything you need right there.
0: Right, right. And there's spots like that mm-hmm. out here, but they're not <laughs> as common in like this big of a city. No, no, and they're much smaller, smaller communities. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um so when did you move to Boston for school?
1: I moved in 2011 just after high school. I was okay. uh I applied to Berkeley and that was pretty I'm I that was the only place I applied to and not because of any sort of like existential like destiny thing. It was more like, I'm just like a really lazy person. And I was like, Mm yeah, I want to do music. And I was like, applied to one. I was like, ah, we'll see if I get it. If I don't, I'll join the Coast Guard. And then, uh, (laughs) and then uh, the letter came back and they accepted me for the spring semester. And so I was like, oh, sick. Okay. Well, I just have to, you know, make it six months. And then they called me two weeks before the fall semester began. And we're like, hey, if you can get up here, we have a spot for you. By the way, we have no housing. So good luck. And I was like, Oh fuck. And so uh wow. so my uh dad and I figured it out with uh the whole private loan situation and then I, mm-hmm. I just went up there and, and started right
0: away. And you just did you end up living in Austin?
1: <clears throat> um I ended up, yeah. I ended up yeah, <laughs> yeah. As,
0: as every musician ends up in Austin. Every I started college off in
1: Yeah, okay, every college yeah. musician.
0: Right. And so um here's another thing. <laughs> well, let's, I'm going to pause on that. I'll, I'll tell you the story after. Um, okay. So talk to me about that. What was, what was it like when you first got to Boston? Did you immediately try to find people to play with or was it kind of just focusing on school?
1: No, to be honest, like I didn't know, I, I really had no idea or direction of what I wanted to do. I was just mm-hmm. kind of doing my own thing. I didn't, I didn't want to join a band. I was just I just liked songwriting so i was like okay let me do that and i got to school and realized that you know they're they're trying to find ways to beef up their their uh annual revenue so they just make you take all these like irrelevant college courses so i quickly started stopped caring about being at berkeley
0: mm-hmm. and i was
1: like i was like just focusing on my own music thing it wasn't till the end of my freshman year that uh jack and our original other jack and our original bassist nick uh asked me to sing on some songs that they had written and i had no intention of joining a band like zero like i did not want to join a band like this is how much i didn't want to join a band okay so i had convinced so, before I joined the band, one of my best friends who was a drummer at Berkeley was in the band, was in Dead Poet Society. Okay. And Dead Poet Society was known for being one of the worst bands at Berkeley. Like, it, this was like the beginning <laughs> of memes. This was like the beginning of memes. And there was a meme on the Berkeley meme page that was like, um, there was this girl named Kate Cameron that was also being made fun of uh, for being like one of the worst artists. And it was like, dead poet society the the worst thing to come out of berkeley since kate cameron or something like that and she'd only been there like a semester it was so mean so i was like i my friend landon who was drumming i was like dude you gotta leave that band you got it you gotta leave it dude like they're they're not doing anything they suck everybody's making fun of them he was like okay so he left the band and six months later there i am in the practice room with them
0: writing that's crazy
1: (laughs) that's so mean (laughs) it's so mean dude it was so mean i mean we laugh about it now musicians are
0: are supposed to be supportive of each other
1: (laughs) oh at berkeley supportive supportive i think if you were to think of the perfect antonym for supportive it would be berkeley college yeah (laughs) yeah
0: it makes it into a competition right
1: yeah. They make everything into a competition. There. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's basically
1: classrooms. It's classrooms
0: of all of your peers just judging the shit out of you. So that's the first story where it's been like, yeah, I joined this band very reluctantly because they were a a joke of the, of a band at the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, I think so. I
0: mean, what if, so it must okay, be so, really exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is how I ended up joining. So, um, so they had a couple songs that they had written together as a band and they had no way of recording them. And, uh, and I was friends with the guitarist Jack's roommate and they heard me sing. So they were like, do you mind singing on a couple songs? And I was like really reluctant. Like I didn't want to do it, but I'm, mm-hmm. but I'm like too nice. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Cool. Let's do it. And then, so I ended up singing on the songs and then I tried to like, pretty much ghost them. Like I was like trying to avoid being around them. And, uh, and they started asking me like, Hey, can you, you want to join the band? Like, do you want to come right with us? Come right with us. And I was like, no, no. And like weeks went by and they kept asking. And then one day my bassist somehow knew where I lived and showed up on my doorstep and was like, yo, let's write. I was like, like right now. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, fuck. So <laughs> I bring him in. We sit down I have my acoustic guitar. He has a riff that he wanted to show me. So he showed me this riff and I was like, okay, all right, well let's try writing something over. What do you want to write about? he was like, I don't know. We went on Wikipedia and found like a historical topic to write about. And we wrote the first verse of the song, we wrote the second verse of the song and this riff and kind of pasted together this rough idea of a song. And I was like, this is actually pretty cool. Like I don't mind this at all. Like i was expecting to hate this and Mm uh that song ended up being the first song we released together which is uh called one four five it was the first song we ever wrote together and released together and uh and i just after that i was so i was totally in i was like this is really cool i like
0: this let's do it would you can kind of consider that is that like the birth of the the band as it is now or or is it did they have songs that you guys continue to play now
1: I think with the current lineup and the way we write, that was the birth of the band right there. But before I joined the band, they went through singers and Jack and Nick have been um, making bands since they were 14 years old together. Mm -hmm. You know, they grew up together. So dead poet society was around for about almost a year before I joined it. And, uh, and, um, and so they had, yeah, they had, the band had been around, but not the current lineup or the writing style or you know anything. I'm yeah. trying
0: to I'm this whole time you've been talking I've been I've been googling too because I'm like very, very certain that i've we've played a show together.
1: no now. way. What was the name of your band?
0: Uh, I was in a band called the Venetia Fair for a while. Venice um, Fair.
1: What did you play? Yeah. Like uh, we we always played like TT the Bears and like uh, yeah.
0: I mean we played all those places a bunch. Middle I mean, East. We, we toured mostly. Like we were always on tour, but um, Middle East was like a good spot for us. We played Sinclair a bunch. I don't. And maybe it's just that I saw your name on flyers a bunch or something. But I do know. Um, I think I may have actually. Maybe it was just that I've seen you play at TT's. Could be that. Yeah, Very, maybe. Really could um, be that. I, I mean, so,
1: undoubtedly, uh, if we were in Boston at the same time and we were both in the music scene, like in bands and stuff, there's no way we didn't run into each other at some point.
0: Yeah, for sure. It definitely happened. Uh, you were also, this is where I think we may know a lot of the same people. I was looking on your LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. You worked at Apple, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I'm Boylston i worked at apple <laughs> wait on boylston uh, no but i know i have a bunch of friends there i was uh i worked at north shore which then became market street um oh my gosh I only left wait. last year apple i was a lead there until last year
1: no way yeah dude okay so oh, let's see uh who do i remember do you my remember, mom's uh...
0: godson is greg case do you remember him
1: greg case that sounds familiar he was specialist
0: or genius or something like that
1: that sounds very familiar i mean we had a lot <laughs> and of then people there's so i wouldn't the, doubt it.
0: um greg marquis he was the singer of actor observer
1: worked yeah, there i, I don't know if he
0: was there at the time but
1: that sound uh, yeah he's one of my friends
0: yeah on Here facebook
1: yeah yeah greg marquis <laughs> yeah i know this guy
0: yep holy shit uh, yeah He's the singer of Actor Observer, too, who uh, I would love to actually get on here. Yeah,
1: right Actor there. Observer. Yeah, he was in a band there. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That's so weird.
0: Yeah. So we, I knew, remember we he know was some of show. the same people here for sure. For sure. Wow.
1: Small world, dude.
0: <laughs> right. It's actually possible that we went to like training together because I joined like the same time as you and I had to go to that market's training
1: did okay so was that <laughs> did you have your training at the sheridan
0: yeah i was at the hotel okay wait a second
1: hold up this is okay so at that share what year did you join
0: apple 2014 i think so did i what yeah do you remember i remember <laughs> when you were-
1: i i joined apple october of 2014 so i started training in the fall oh, I might fall have winter been,
0: i might have been right before that i might have been july or september july okay july i feel like you september.
1: would have remembered me because i was the one person in the entire training facility that fell asleep in the middle of the in the middle oh, of oh my god
0: that's so good
1: <laughs> dude i was the worst apple employee i was the worst <laughs> apple employee i did not oh, man. i I don't know how I got hired because, like, the thing is, I've never been a- I've never been able to motivate myself to do things that don't pertain to just what I want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I always end up going in really strong the first two weeks of any job, and then after those two weeks, I just fucking stop. Like, yeah. uh, the, You better all hope the motivation no future employers
0: hear this. Oh yeah, yourself yeah, no, of course right not. not. This is the no, one no, I'm no. gonna. Or, that, that's the clip I'm gonna post everywhere.
1: Yeah, you should, and send it out to every local, uh, every local, uh, you know, like uh, sound house that yeah, you can I find will. in LA. <laughs> yeah, make sure they all know that I don't put effort in. Um, right. two weeks in though, I mean, that's that was usually my threshold. I mean, this one it, it, apparently was after one day because I fell asleep <laughs> in the middle of a meeting. But uh,
0: so good. But uh,
1: yeah, that's funny. Dude, that was interesting.
0: Well, there you go. I There's my got... tangent. There's my random tangent with how we know each other. <laughs>
1: That's so crazy. That is so wild.
0: Right. So um, let's let's keep going with the band history. So you joined the band. Um, Mm -hmm. What was your next step from there? This is when you're still in school, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I was still in school. This was 2012 when I joined the band, 2013-ish. And uh, we wrote a lot. Um, We went on a couple tours. We started... Off by just Jack just booking random shows down the East Coast. We'd go and play right. these little middle-of-the-nowhere towns in, like, North Carolina. and Yeah, uh, those
0: are the best. Oh, Ten yeah. Ten people. Oh, yeah. No food. Right? Yep,
1: no food. We actually, we played this one place called The Ultimate Basement in North Carolina, and it was this little strip mall in the middle of this town in the mountains and their population, maybe 200. Okay. (laughs) And uh, we pull up to this venue and it looks like an abandoned, like dollar general, just this massive, like um, cleared out space inside that, you know, obviously at one point had shells, but didn't anymore. And there was all this like skate stuff. And then all these old RCTV's like, Lined up against the wall with like Nintendo 64s. And uh, it was run by this guy named Gerb who had like two teeth <laughs> and drove a motorcycle that he parked inside. And, oh, I love uh, it. Yeah. And he was the sweetest dude. He was so nice. We didn't bring anybody. And there was like six kids that were skateboarding. And when we started playing, they went outside to go smoke cigarettes. I mean, they couldn't have been older than like 14 years old. And, uh, <laughs> and we finished playing and they come back in. And then Gerb's like, well, I only made $14 tonight, but like, here's half of it. And he gave us seven bucks.
0: <laughs> and, oh, uh, dude, I have absolutely been there. That's so good. <laughs> Oh, dude. Everybody is. Yeah. Everybody has a million of these horrible stories. Dude, and you know uh, what's funny is I'm discovering this only from doing this podcast is that's not true. <laughs> like what not like so many people find success like early on or get asked to join a band somehow or or something or at least a lot of the people I've talked to, they ha- For real. don't have those those like grinding stories.
1: Oh dude, this band has been nothing but a grind. From the moment I joined this band, from the moment we tried to go on our first tour and ended up happening happening but barely. This band has been a uh an uphill battle I think would be like an understatement. It's been like an up up a cliff that's uh that's made of red hot steel. It's <laughs> like it's just constant it has been nothing but everything falling apart from the very oh, start. Man. But here we are seven and a half years later, still grinding and, and it's <laughs> yeah. still, I mean, it's working, it's working slowly, but it's working.
0: It seems like you guys have made some major steps recently, but we'll, we'll yes. hold off on that. Um, so let's keep going through it. So so you're kind of just writing songs. Are you playing shows and stuff at the same time or, or is it just mostly a studio thing?
1: Um, it is, Um, uh, it's. Well, I mean, because of COVID, we can't really play any shows, right? No, now. No, no. Right? I
0: mean, I mean, back when you were after you had joined, you had you were said you were writing and all that stuff. Back, oh, back in Boston yeah. Today.
1: We were more of like a studio band, I'd say at the start. I mean, we love playing live shows, and I think that's where we got all the reaction and mm-hmm. the validation is that people were always like, uh, like, um, impressed with. Uh, I mean, yeah. not to like and the Boston boast scene myself, is but, not. Yeah.
0: They're not the easiest people to win over, too.
1: No, not at all. I think yeah. we really started having fun, like the most fun with shows when we were uh, when we started playing this underground place called the Banana Hammock. Do you remember that in Alston? No. Okay. It was this. Uh, it was this underground venue. Uh, it was in somebody's basement, and you could just pack like sixty kids in there, and they'd all be like against each other, like sweating, and all the mm. mics and gear would be, be- yeah. knocked over, and it that shit was so much fun to us. Yeah, those were the best. That those were just the best shows yeah, and uh, i think that's just really... the
0: basement shows in that area i wonder if i have actually been there it's possible
1: yeah the banana hammock was around for i think the entire time that i was at berkeley it was run by mm. a girl named ally and mm. uh her and her friends kind of made up the venue and would have shows every saturday and somehow they
0: never got hard. shut down it was crazy that's wild uh, we had a few places like that in lowell when i was at school there oh yeah yeah, were those really are the fun.
1: hidden gems, dude. Those that's where the dude, we, real I, I fun is. I just
0: told a story recently on this podcast, but I played a basement show in Lowell. Actually, I think in about, I think it was 2014 or 2015, and it was like our last night in us, in like this tiny, tiny, tiny basement with like 500 people, and it like spilling onto the street. It was insane. Oh
1: my gosh, that's insane. Those shows are just—I mean—it's the chaos of it that's so much fun, and then you're just bringing the energy to just fuel that chaos, and everybody's sweating and throwing yeah. each other around. You just so like, fun. Oh, you feel like so powerful. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So you were you. So you're like really DIY with all this stuff. I love these stories. This is great. Um, yeah, we've always been super DIY. Self-booking tours, basement shows. It's like real Boston shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: You know? Exactly. Yeah. Until uh, until this uh, album we have coming out, we mixed all of our own stuff too.
0: Oh, really? Did Was that you doing that stuff too?
1: Uh, no, Jack, uh, the guitarist, okay. um, he's always been our mixer and then I always ride bitch. I sit next to him and tell him to do things. Wait got for him it, to get annoyed Because I know you, yeah.
0: you do have uh, some sort of background or skill in in production and writing and stuff right
1: somewhat somewhat um jack has most of the production um chops okay and uh but i i help out you know where i can
0: right where right I can do, but i was reading know? on your thing that you've been like composed do you compose music for commercials or stuff like that at all what, what was that i was reading Ooh,
1: that's that's kind of like uh did you get that from my linkedin
0: yeah or is that stuff that you've had published with other people like your, that's your that stuff
1: I haven't done in a long time. Jack Jack does a lot of uh, trailer music now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of into it for a little bit towards the end of my career at Berkeley, but I I just like it just wasn't my thing. I didn't like. Oh man, I love sitting that stuff. in a chair for twelve hours. Oh, do you? Oh, well, yeah. that'll bode well for you, man. It's a
0: very useful <laughs> skill. I love all that, com- uh, like trailer movie scoring, all that stuff. That's like super yeah. exciting to me. Um, cool. All right, so. When did you start? When when, did you graduate from Berkeley?
1: Yes, I did graduate from Berkeley, unfortunately. And then did
0: you? (laughs) (laughs) Is that because do you say that because everyone says all the people that have like huge careers in music get taken out ahead of time? Yes. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's really interesting about that school. It's the only school where it's like almost a detriment if you graduate from.
1: Yeah, yeah, in a way. I mean, not just because of the the sign that it's like, okay, well you didn't make it before you left college, but also the fact that they tag on like a hundred twenty thousand dollar bill at the end of it and they go, Thank right. you.
0: Yeah, I know. Crazy. Um yeah. so what happened after college? Did you try to take it on the road or anything or what was we your strategy left, there?
1: We left pretty we left for LA pretty much immediately after Boston. Oh, I left out a huge thing. Okay, so in twenty fourteen Right when I had joined Apple, actually, or just before I joined Apple, uh, this YouTuber named Pepe, uh, was a uh, pretty pretty famous like vlogger, not vlogger. What was he was like one of those reaction
0: YouTubers? Oh, okay, yeah.
1: He was this really big reaction YouTuber down in uh, Mexico, lived in Mexico City, and he found Sound and Silence, which was a song that we released in I think 2014. Yeah. And uh, we had just put up a music video for it, and Jack and I were trying to figure out like how to get views on it. And so we started going into Google AdWords and trying to figure out the biggest reach for our buck. And we and in Mexico it was like super cheap to like advertise. So we were like, let's just put a hundred dollars down there, whatever. Let's do it. So we threw in a hundred bucks, and a few days later, I guess Pepe found the video and shouted it out on one of his um, on one of his uh, reaction videos. <laughs> And we were like, what the fuck? Like all of a sudden it just like the video started shooting up in views and we started getting all these comments in Spanish and we're just so confused. We have, what is, what is happening here? So I go home, I open up my Facebook. We have like a hundred new Facebook messages and I'm getting all these like friend requests from these like kids down in Mexico. And uh, so crazy. we find the source of the video. We found out that he shouted it out. And so we messaged him we were like, dude, thank you so much. We see that you have a band because he had a band called Sputnik or has a band called Sputnik, and we're like, dude, if you ever want to tour, let us know. He was like, yeah, man, buy the tickets and come down and we'll tour maybe like sometime in February. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. So um, a few weeks goes by, yeah, a few weeks go go by, and we're all like, we need to buy these tickets, like we need to buy these tickets. We got to follow through on this, like we we can't just let this thing go to waste. And um, so one night, I was laying in bed. And we had a little bit of money from uh, from like a trailer or like a ad sync that we had got. And I just said, you know what? Screw it. Let's buy the tickets right now. So I bought the tickets, four of them, and uh, bought them for February uh, 10th-ish through like the 17th and uh, messaged Pepe. And I was like, yo, dude, or Joe, rather. And I was like, "Yo, we're coming down." I bought the tickets. He was like, "Oh shit, you're actually doing that? Okay, cool. Let me put something together." And uh, that was kind of like the first like validation we had got, and we were like, That's "Okay, nuts. we need to do this."
0: How we was do that?
1: This. So much fun. I mean, you know, I mean, you've toured many a times, I'm sure. Like when you tour not with Mexico. another band, not <laughs> Mexico, but I think it kind of goes across the board that like when you tour with another band. You spend so much time together doing the exact same thing that you just Mm -hmm. you you develop this bond like overnight almost. It seems like you just get really close with these bands that you tour with because you're doing the same thing. You're spending all your time together. You're getting drunk together. You're singing together. It's awesome, and that happened with us and Sputnik. Like we hit it off right off the bat, and uh, we played four shows originally. It was Mexico City, Puebla. Uh Tom Pico and Toluca, I think was the four right. shows we played. How were the shows? And show? awesome. They were a lot of fun. Sputnik was like a uh Sputnik has a pretty big cult following down there. So they uh so they packed out all the shows and uh it was yeah, it was That's a blast, sick. dude. We're, yeah, we're know, still yeah, we still funny. That you
0: you say that the stories about like the camaraderie and stuff on tour. And I, I talk about this often with people, but I, I found that like because I I love that. That's why I love touring, and that's why I fell in love with it. Was just like the camaraderie with your band, and then you share that with other people, and you're like the only people that you know right now that are doing the same thing, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, exactly. And you're in this own you're in this like little bubble. Like the rest of the world right. doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, but I found that you know now that I'm in Ice Nine Kills, it's that has gone away a little bit because I don't know, maybe it's because people are now doing this for a living. And it's like, they this is their circle. Everyone in their circle does this now. Right. Interesting. Like, I'm not sure if I understand. Like, I mean, like, like, so there's this, like the, when you're grinding on these tours, it's, it's so fun. And you share this like bond with the band that you're with. Like some of my best friends are from these tours where we were grinding. Like that's how I met Donnie. That's uh, you know, how I met, Even through that, like Andres and and Will, your drummer, all those guys and everything, is Mm -hmm. just from those types of tours and everything. Now, you know, where all these bands that we're we're all on buses and, you know, we have a crew and we go into the (laughs) venue and sit in the green room and then go on stage, there's less of that just because there's not, like, a shared struggle, I guess.
1: (laughs) It's more of, like, a
0: routine. Like, this is the job now. It's a routine and it's also, it's... feels a little less like special of a moment if that makes sense yeah
1: that that does make sense i get i get that because i imagine i'm
0: complaining like because the there it's a very different experience and it's it's really cool for many many other reasons but that's not part of it anymore i totally
1: get it because it's like i mean when you're struggling and you're doing these tours that nobody cares about you there's this there's that that's where the camaraderie comes from is you're fighting this fight that nobody cares that you're doing, you know, it's just you against the world. And, 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 uh, I love that. All these (laughs) new experiences. Yeah, I know it it is sick. It is awesome.
0: It's so fun. Um, and like those, even like the tiniest little steps forward feel like such huge things, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. Like, Oh, we sold $200 in merch tonight, you know? Yeah.
0: So sick. Um, okay, cool. So when did you start um, kind of – well, let me ask you this because at this point you haven't really done much of it. Was there – did you have a desire to tour? Because you seem like the kind of guy, you know, you had to be forced even into joining a band. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Do you like touring?
1: I absolutely love touring. It is my favorite okay. thing on earth to do.
0: It is I like know a the lot one place- of musicians that don't. It's like yeah, a necessary yeah. evil for them.
1: I was so surprised when I met people that hated touring. Mm -hmm. I was shocked because it's, it's essentially a a never ending mobile sleepover with your friends. You know, like it gives me like when I go on tour, I get the same vibe that I used to get when I was 12 years old. And I would go over to my friend Graham's house and we play N64 for 48 hours straight. You know, I get that same like giddy happiness. And, uh, and I just don't get when people don't, don't, like I think, receive that you feel like I, you're doing work and having fun while doing it
0: right i i've always liked it i mean everyone has days where you can where you want to be home but of course i think it's yeah. it's it's, it, it's tough like i i do think that a lot of people underestimate the amount of work and actually like physical stress that your body can go through with yeah, that stuff. i mean
1: i think the lack of sleep is the one is the thing that that Mm-hmm. people don't really touch on the most is like yeah you'll go five days getting an average of three hours of sleep a night and you got to sing and you got to be up in energy and you're just exhausted all i mean right. for the entire run you you are running on lack of sleep and then trying not to get sick at the same time while meeting hundreds of people every day you know
0: right right yeah it's a grind um it so is you did that in in mexico you did what was it you said four shows
1: we did four shows, but then we've been back many times since. We did longer tours. They've never been like monthers, but we'll join like Sputnik or this other band we met down there called Beta. Uh, we'll join them for small legs or the end of tours and stuff. Wow. So we'll play, you know, normally anywhere between eight to 12 shows, you know. How many times have you been down there? I think nine. Nine times, wow. I think.
0: So you're building yeah, yeah. like a Mexican fan base right now
1: legit yeah we we that's uh so did a, crazy yeah we played a show in mexico city i think we sold out this venue it was only like 250 or 300 cap but it was still like pretty crazy to that's see all these sick. people in
0: a different country they don't speak your language singing your songs you're the first band i've heard of that's that's done that <laughs>
1: that's gone <this laughs> yeah, well.
0: that's
1: yeah our career
0: path has been bizarre from the beginning yeah but you take what you get right it's youtube is such a weird place dude because it's like there's no boundaries with it right no, it's international no. it's crazy we had a song like my old band do you remember that dude copper cab on youtube does that f- sound familiar copper cab no i he don't remember that gingers have souls kid
1: oh yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah he loved my band and he no like way. shared it on his page and it was like a thing like that too it was it's so weird how that what? stuff happens <laughs>
1: God, it's so and it's so cool because the nice the nice thing is there's no bureaucracy. It's like straight to straight to creative and yeah. owner, you know? It's yeah. it's well, what they want to no, do, they do. You know, do. those
0: people have like managers and all that stuff now. It's crazy.
1: Yes, but I think as far as like trying to land some sort of like uh like other promotional spot, like a late night show or anything like that. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's so, they have such a bigger reach on YouTube now than the majority of these talk shows and everything like that. They they are generally much easier to reach. There's no like booking department or anything and they just do what they feel like, you know?
0: Right. And yeah. if they
1: like it, they like it. There's no like, uh, there's no like you got to talk to the right people, get in people's now- ears. It's
0: just like- yeah. Late night guests are all internet people anyway. Yeah, they're all internet
1: people. And they, I don't know why they go on there because they have, they don't, I mean, it's not like they're reaching Wild. a bigger audience at those places. There's Those audiences are shrinking.
0: It's crazy. As so many like modern artists now came from social media too. Like um didn't, I think Shawn Mendes, he was like discovered on Vine or something.
1: Was he mean? really? That would, I yeah. mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It's crazy.
0: Um, yeah. All right. Anyway, so you're building your Mexican fan base. Uh, what's going on uh, in the U.S. Are you are you touring here at the same time? Um. Yes. Yes, we are. Last
1: uh, we had the tour with Andreas, which was the first like full U.S. tour we had done. And how long then was we that? had? That was a month long. Yeah, that was a, a monther. Yeah, it it was, and uh, then. Um, Badflower discovered us, and oh, uh, I
0: love that band.
1: They're so good, dude. So they're so good. good. They, uh, their lead singer discovered Jack. us because, yeah, I think Jack had left a comment on one of their pictures or something, mm-hmm. and then he checked us out. And uh, funny enough, Jack had been friends with their drummer for like two years before the singer oh, really? ever found our band. Yeah, and they he didn't know that they that they knew each other. So once they found that. They were like we got to get these guys on tour and they just reached out to us and said do you want to tour with us and
0: we were like that's fuck
1: yeah cool. we want to tour
0: <laughs> they're a great and, uh, band josh so is such good. a good guy too
1: yeah he's such a nice guy very smart yeah. very very driven
0: and um and uh i think he was my second or third guest ever on this podcast really yeah i think so that was
1: not well that's that's pretty yeah. cool
0: we met i yeah, met they... them uh we played ship together earlier this year in february oh i remember
1: february? them talking about that yeah
0: yeah Shiprocked. pretty pretty weird experience but they were like my buddies so i've heard yeah we were all uh they were my vegan friends <laughs> so we bonded oh, you're vegan at, yourself? at dinner and, yeah lunch and lunch and dinner every day we would bond over that stuff <laughs> Some of that vegan food is pretty good, dude. I had oh, plenty yeah. of it on tour. Now is the best time to to be a vegan for sure. But
1: dude, to be um, honest, like any of these like fad, like I mean, not saying vegan's fad diet. I know it's it's more of like a like a social statement, but like a lot of these like fad diets nowadays, like are it's like the best time to be on some sort of fad diet. Like I I I do I did keto for a few years and lost like mm-hmm. 50 pounds. Wow. And uh yeah. I used to be a fat boy and uh all the keto snacks now are amazing they're so I know, good
0: dude. yeah it's because all those fad diets are so popular now that these companies just know that they can you know if they brand it right they can up upsell it right if it says keto on it right
1: mm-hmm yeah Smart- keto, oh. or if it says like vegan friendly or like uh
0: yeah gluten-free <laughs> right right also um, a loaf of
1: bread costs 20 bucks
0: I know, dude, it's crazy. My girlfriend is celiac, so she can't eat any wheat and we have to like uh, get all that stuff. It's insane. Um, all right. <laughs> anyway, so let's get back to the band. So what, when was that Andre's tour again? Was that 2018? That was 2019, I believe. 2019, 2019. and then Bad Flower was this year?
1: Bad Flower was last October. So October, 2019.
0: Okay. So, so it was the same year. 2019. Were those the last tours that you did?
1: Those yeah, those were the last tours that we did. We had one more show in uh, Mexico right before the lockdown, and then we were supposed to do a tour for South by Southwest. We were actually on our way out there when we got shut down. We played one show mm. in San Diego, and then uh, had to cancel the rest because South by Southwest got canceled. We were going to be playing seven shows there. Yeah. We had shows in Oof. Mesa, San Antonio on the way out, and then shows in like Denver and Las Have Vegas on the South way Bio back. For? No, this was gonna be the first time we were ever gonna do it. And I was so pissed that they fucking shut it down.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool experience. It gets a little exhausting, but um if you like to drink, it's really fun. I do like to drink, so that would yeah. be really fun. It's a really good spot for that. Um Damn, that sucks, man. So we did you you had to cancel a tour. At least you weren't far from home though. No, that's no, that's not the yeah, worst.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a gift and a curse, though, too, at the same time, because I ended up meeting my girlfriend now that uh, at that San Diego show. And so, like, if we had gone on with with uh, this tour, I wouldn't have ever, you know, hung out with her and go. would have never dated her. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse.
0: Yep. <laughs> Make the best of the situation. Right. Exactly. We got shut down when we we were in Germany when it got when we got the shutdown. That was that sucked. a bitch
1: getting back?
0: Well, dude that, that was a wild night because we we were waiting for the shows to be canceled. I was actually surprised they didn't cancel earlier, and we everyone knew it was the last night of the tour, but no one ever said it. Um, mm-hmm. So we just ended up buying plane tickets, and then right after we bought the plane tickets, um, that was when they announced like the travel ban. That was really confusing. Um, yeah. And so the, the airport was just a nightmare the next day. It was insane. Oh,
1: I can imagine. There's probably thousands of people trying to get out. Yep.
0: And then I got home and then I was home for a week and then I drove to LA.
1: <coughs> How was that Pretty driving across uh, during the, would you drive down during the lockdown? Or drive yeah, across was, during lockdown?
0: Yeah, it was right when we locked down. So it was the end of March and the, there was no one on the roads. We hit no traffic their gas was insanely cheap um yeah we didn't we slept in the car so we had a trailer and we i turned the back of my car into like a camper kind of and then yeah we made it out here in like six days it's a nice drive actually it's pretty fun (laughs) yeah i've made the trip now many a
1: times and i i yeah i um I honestly love doing it every time. I like road trips. I like I like driving,
0: you know? I, I hate driving, but if I'm on a trip, I can do it. If I have to, like, run an errand, I hate it. That is
1: – I'm the same exact way. I'm the same exact way. I mm-hmm. hate driving to my core for, like, groceries or, like, yeah, need to worst. go pick up medication or something like that. It's the – oh, yeah. That's why I miss Boston so much is I just miss being able to walk those places, mm-hmm. but um, – Me too. But uh, yeah, like road trips and stuff
0: like that. Like you could stick me in a car for a month. I don't care. I like it. Yeah, I would do that too. Uh, so what's next for the band? I know you get you have an album coming out pretty shortly, right?
1: Yep, we have an album coming out in February.
0: Next year. And that is on your new label. Is that right? Yep. We signed with Spine Farm.
1: Sorry, burp. Um, <laughs> we signed with Spine Farm back in April. Announced it in September. And uh, it's just been like uh, a mad dash to get the album done, ready to go. And it's finally done, packed up. We've made the merch for it. We finally Who'd signed off the album on the for? vinyl. We did the album. So we had four songs originally that we went with. Uh, a guy named Alex Newport, who had done City in Color and At the Drive-In. Great guy. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun to be mm-hmm. around. Such a cool dude. Um, we had done American blood, one of our songs with him. And so we decided to go back and do four more songs with him. And, uh, towards the end of the process, we decided to kind of take the reins cause we wanted to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction. So we ended up kind of self-producing the rest of the album. Nice. And, uh, and we got this guy named Tom Dalgati or Dalgetty to mix the album. And, uh, we were super stoked on that cause he's Royal blood's mix engineer. And, mm, uh, that's cool. and they're one of my favorite bands of all time, if not my favorite. Mm-hmm. So, so that was nice. pretty sick.
0: So things have kind of just been moving really quick over the last what's year, I guess, or what? Yeah, eight they have. Or so? That's they pretty have, sick.
1: Yeah, it is surprising, surprisingly good progress made in a time where our industry pretty much doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been seeing your name pop up more and more. I mean, even just the fact that we got this interview together was through uh, a third party as well. So you're definitely poking up places. It's pretty sick. And dude, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't listened to the band. I think I had heard a couple songs back when you were doing that tour with Andres, but I hadn't really dove in until last night. And I texted Josh. Josh is my quote-unquote producer on the show who couldn't actually be here today. And I was like, dude, this band is pretty fucking sick. <laughs> He's <was> like, yeah, <laughs> I you, know, dude. I've been listening to them, <laughs> but no, I really like it. It's just like straight up, just good like rock music. It's great, and it's it stands out for reasons that aren't just like. I think a lot a, a lot of these rock bands uh, stand out just because they're doing rock music, which isn't as, you know, a, it's not around as much anymore. But yeah. you guys like just write really good hooks and stuff. I can tell that there's a lot of thought that goes into it.
1: I appreciate that, man, yeah, being in a genre that really isn't popular or you know well known anymore i think I think uh machine Gun Kelly and young Blood are kind of changing that I
0: agree uh, yeah, as of recent mm-hmm. and
1: uh but but uh a lot more yeah, guitar is gonna
0: be on the radio
1: yeah, and i'm I'm very excited for that because I think that uh this new album we have that i'm I'm very very stoked on it because uh we decided to kind of dive heavier into the i guess the philosophy of our band like where we come from when we write we Mm -hmm. uh, that being um we don't really try to fit within certain confines or a genre or write a certain way when we write we kind of just let the song always dictate what it's gonna sound like and don't try to be a certain type of thing. And yeah. I know a lot of bands do this, we just we really take that message to heart and you know, so we end up with songs that are like our song Swarm, which is just chaos and atonal and all this like really weird shit. And then we'll end up with songs like American Blood, which is just a straight alt rock song, you know? Mm. And yeah. um or we'll do like super bluesy stuff and we really really leaned into that with this album coming out. And I'm super excited for it because we have, you know, like some of our more like signature, like heavy blues kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And then we have more alt stuff. And then we have a folk song. And then we have this stuff that's just, I don't really know how to describe it, but I'm super, super excited to release it because it is,
0: it is. How many songs?
1: It's going to be, I think we have 12 songs total with a few interludes. Uh, We really tried to focus on the flow of the album. I think one of our main goals for the album was to make something that you could listen to front to back and Mm -hmm. hit all of the vibes, check everything that you wanted to hear off. Because I think that one thing that we always feel is you'll get halfway through an album and the artist is fantastic, but you get the same vibe every single song and you get the same type of song. And arrangement, you know, like I'm for instance, like, like, uh, Matt Mason is one of my favorite artists of I all time. He's Matt Mason. incredible, yeah, and his album so is genius. He's a genius songwriter. But the thing is, if I'm on a road trip, I get to about song seven right.
0: and yep. I'm ready
1: to go listen to a different artist, yeah. And we really wanted to kind of display not just like how we write. But the fact that we can we can bring you those vibes that you want to feel—yeah, happy, sad, anger—you know,
0: right? Yeah, that's a great way to approach that stuff. I wish more bands did that. And to be honest, I think that's cool that you're doing that in the genre that you're doing it to. Because I don't know, there's something really organic and real about that. I feel like even rock—I don't know—I don't think a lot of bands are as in touch with the that side of like the emotional aspect of it as much as they are now with just releasing singles and stuff like that because that's what drives yeah. music now it's all singles no one really it's not as common for people to listen to a full album from front to back even though those are no, my favorite yeah. bands all have those those type of albums
1: yeah yeah i mean i remember the first album that i could listen to front to back over and over and over again was uh Meteora by lincoln
0: park <laughs> it was just because yeah, that album is awesome
1: that a album, great album might be one of the best albums ever made. And it's I'll so say good. It. it's so good. And I listened to that album maybe 150 times, 200 times front to back. And mm-hmm. like and like uh, another one that really was super diverse, but uh, was uh, Green Day's American Idiot album. I thought that album was so cool. Yeah, and that did that did
0: have some cool stuff on it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, not like everybody's that. a big Green Day fan, but I was growing up. I like up.
0: Green Day. I, I think they're a great band. Yeah, fun. Yeah, they are. They are. But um, let's go back to uh, what what do you guys have planned moving forward beside the album release? Are you do you know about anything you're attempting to book? I mean, obviously, I know you probably can't announce it, but do you have any like ideas of what you might be doing moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think everybody's kind of everybody in the booking world is kind of banking on the end of 2021 being. uh, Yeah, that's what
0: it seems like now.
1: Yeah, being like when touring starts back up, so we have some things in the works there, and uh, we're playing Download Festival in June, which I'm super mm. stoked about. I don't know how I that's going to that. look like with all the regulations and whatnot. I know. Maybe yeah, yeah gonna, we're doing Slam all...
0: Dunk there in May, so I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> have you played any? Have you played any car shows yet, like
0: drive-in shows? No. So, um, well, I did a couple of outdoor, um, like intimate acoustic shows with donovan for his like solo stuff i just play with him to support okay um, all that stuff which have been fun like you know limited to i think it was like 25 people seated um super spaced out they were they were fun like very 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 organic diy some of them didn't even have a pa or anything you know how was the vibe it was cool. Uh people were respectful and and followed the rules and um I a lot of people were I you could tell were just jonesing to have any sort of interaction with music period. Yeah, some sort of live you know. entertainment.
1: I think yeah. you know, I think when this is all over it's going to be an amazing time for music.
0: I do too. It's going to be nuts. Yeah,
1: cuz everybody's going to be going out. Everybody's going to yeah. be going out all the time.
0: Mhm. Yeah, because everyone's uh, gonna have new music too.
1: Yeah, everyone's gonna have a new music. People are gonna just wanna see anything. I I guarantee you, like cover bands are gonna do amazing because everybody's just gonna wanna even go see a shitty fucking local show. I feel like people are just gonna wanna get out.
0: So much money. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The ones left over because there's gonna be like two of them. I I wish that people recognized that. Like you gotta invest in the venues now so that they stay open. I mean, if they if they make it, they'll make a lot of money, but that's the hardest part about this for the music industry right now, I feel like, is people aren't recognizing that it's not really the artists um, that have the overheads that, like, a lot of these venues have, too. Like, venues need to be supported as much, if they not do. more, than, like, artists right now.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, we got to do what we got to do to, you know, curb the spread of the virus, but I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. It's it's pretty frustrating seeing like these these massive corporations like Amazon just being allowed to like operate at full capacity. I know. And like be able to ship people fucking, you know, Xboxes and dildos, yeah, and be deemed essential still, yet these local businesses that don't have that type of safety net are being forced to shut down and close, close. And like all these larger businesses that have the lawyers to deem them essential are going to be just fine. And you're just starving, starving the, you know, free market. You're starving the American dream.
0: It's it's so crazy right now. I I don't even, I don't have the answer to it except that. Nobody does. If if everyone was just smarter, period, across the board, (laughs) then. Yeah if you're just personally smarter like think an extra step ahead then you know at least it will help somewhat right now it's just i'm scared to go outside <laughs> in la it's yeah. crazy especially in my neighborhood it's really bizarre um, i've heard la
1: is is pretty uh is pretty um locked down i think la is mostly what i was talking about i was talking yeah, to the I mean, uh, owner of LA, the la
0: it, it's locked down but in where i am no one's paying attention to it Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Which is, it's super frustrating, but yeah, whatever. 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 is what it is. Yeah, you right, can only um, be in control of you. Truth. So thank you for going through all that because I know it was long and there was a lot of tangents that we went on. Um, I don't know if Josh <laughs> – Yeah, hopefully it would. wasn't too boring. No, no, no. I love that stuff. Um, what we do is we always end the episodes with um, tour stories, one or two tour stories that you might have. I don't know if you had one prepared or not. Um. But oh, I have you one, have, I and I know that you actually told a bunch already. But yeah, if you have one prepared, uh, let's hear it. Let's do let's do a tour story.
1: Okay, so this one is uh, is uh, takes place down in Mexico, and uh, we played okay. this town called Merida, and it's known as like the Angel City because there's like no crime there at all. The police have a very sort of weird authoritarian sort of rule down there, which I guess keeps it safe. So people like living there. But uh, we played a show at this bar. And in Mexico, when you're driving in a van, as long as the the driver's not drinking, you can pretty much drink in the car. Nobody gives a Mm, shit. Like Connecticut. Except, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Except for in Merida. We play this show and everybody gets a fresh beer. They're like, let's go back to the hotel and party. We're like, yeah, let's do it. So everybody gets a fresh beer, these big old like 20 ounce beers. Everybody climbs in the van and we start driving. And about five minutes in, we see these blue lights behind us. Now, normally when something sketchy happens, I'll turn to somebody in the band and in Sputnik and be like, should I be freaking out? And they'll look at me and I'm like, nah, dude, whatever, whatever. We'll talk to him, blah, 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 blah. I turn to, I, this time I turn to Rod, the bassist, and I look at him and he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, we're fucked. And I go, oh no. And I turn and I go, everybody chug their beers now. And so everybody's in the van kind of leaning down, chugging, oh everybody's chugging their beers. And meanwhile, there are cops at least 10 cops surrounding the car and like trying to look into these tinted windows. And we're just pounding these beers and people are passing them back and I'm shoving them into a trash bag and I shove it underneath the seat. And, uh, and they, uh, open the doors and they're like, everybody get out. And we're like, what's, what's wrong. What's wrong. He's like, we're going to search the van cause it's a van and that's suspicious. So we're going to search it. And, uh, so they start ripping the entire van apart, pulling oh, out everybody's delicious. suitcases, opening them up, taking everything out, looking through everything. They line us all up against the wall. They start patting us down. And I had this little piece of napkin in my pocket. And you know when you wash your wash your pants with like yeah. napkin or paper in it, they turn into these little tight. Balls.
0: Right, right, you right. You know?
1: So yep. he finds one in my pocket, one of the cops, and he's breaking it apart and he's like sniffing it. And I'm just like, what is going <laughs> on right now? We stand there for 45 minutes. They get about two thirds of the way through everybody's gear. And um by this point, towards the end, Sputnik is all joking around with the cops and they're all laughing and having a great time. And uh they just kind of stop searching, they talk to them for a little while and they're like, All right, well, you guys can go. You guys are cool. <laughs> we just what? get back in the get back in the van and just bolted to the fucking hotel we were like what the hell was wow.
0: that that's pretty good <laughs> yeah that yeah, was that's an interesting great.
1: experience damn
0: did you feel like they just wanted to catch you for something i <laughs> always like in those situations when they're that when like people are that diligent looking through stuff i get worried about people like planting stuff
1: Well, they normally are trying to, I mean, obviously they're not looking for it through it just to, you know, again, let's see what this person has. They like, um, they, in Mexico, you don't need a, like, um, what is it? Probable cause.
0: Probable cause. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Probable cause to search a van or any vehicle. If a policeman just is profiling you, doesn't like the way you look, um, doesn't like your van looks sketchy. He can just pull you over and search the whole car. We've had that happen to us a few times in Mexico. And uh yeah, I mean it's 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 a lot less frightening now than it was like when we first did it. Like what the heck? Like are they just gonna, you know, make some shit sounds scary like? Yeah. But you know, we we pretty much we've had a couple you know, the funny thing about Mexico is everybody talks about how sketchy it is, and I'm sure there's like I'm sure there's bad parts and whatnot there is in every country, but the only times I've ever had anything sketchy happen has been with policemen.
0: <laughs> like, to be honest. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've, I only went to Mexico earlier this year on ship rock. That's the only time I've been. So what, I was don't that, have like Cancun any experience. Or like, yeah. And that wasn't Mexico. I don't think yeah. I saw anyone even native. <laughs> to yeah. Mexico it's a big there. party place. Yeah. Big it was vacation just, a, spot. it was just like eight cruise ships pulled mm-hmm. up there. So, Yeah, Yeah. I was a little let down by that experience, but whatever. Um, That's a good one. Pretty cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, I want to go check it out. I like that. I like that. See, I'm like panicking now. It's making me think because we always we're like a bunch of stoners in my band, and like you can't do that shit down there, right? Like they'll go. No, you
1: can't. They're a lot more strict on it than they are in the U.S. about about weed. Especially if uh, they can just
0: pull your car over.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think that uh, I think that it's going to be legalized pretty soon down there, though. Uh, really? One of my, yeah, one of my uh, friends down there is uh, getting in early on the on the on the regulation and everything, and trying to start up his own brand in Mexico. Wow, nuts! Yeah, so hopefully it does. I'm sure it'll do something if they legalize it
0: crazy all right well dude thank you so much for sharing that thank you for coming on thank you for going through all that history uh you're not too far from me so when everything is cool we should uh hang out dude please hit me up yeah i'll be i'll be so
1: down to go to a bar by that point
0: yes that will be fun um yeah but yeah before you wrap up um again just let everyone know where they can find your stuff you have the album coming out do you have have you announced the name of the album and everything like that
1: yep we have announced the name of the album um, the name of the album doesn't really have a name, but it's very easy to type. It's a dash, an exclamation point, and a dash. So okay. good luck good luck trying to tell somebody about the album. But if you want what to listen to it, it, you can
0: find it real easy. Um, to be like honest, what's your working me, title? Do you even uh, have a name for it?
1: Yeah, I mean the working title is the title, but just call it the exclamation album. You know? Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm just kind of waiting for the fans to kind of come up with their own
0: name for it. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, cool. Uh, and what about like um, social media? Social What's media, your, you
1: can find mm-hmm. us at we are DPS on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Uh, Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash dead poet society band. Um, YouTube, just search Dead Poet Society. We usually pop up. And uh, yeah, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, Xbox Sweet. Music, Rhapsody. What are awesome. some of the old ones? You can download uh, us on Andorra. your Zoom yeah yeah
0: <laughs> alright sweet dude well thank you again for coming on that was fun um, yeah it was fun and yeah well, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to share all your stuff when the album comes out just tag us and stuff and we'll blast it
1: thank you so much man this was a lot of fun
0: yeah for sure dude alright take care alright take it easy bud bye bye
1: I'm leaving I'm getting weak, feeling tweaked out and faded God help you, darling, cause my love is drying up You feel so lovely when you touch me But I can't do this anymore I on my back. feel that song of sadness Baby, it's too late to talk I feel like, we' You better off.